Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. We've got a cigar in our hands. Hope to not bore you. We start every every show the same way. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's a this is a butte here. Um I'm enjoying it more and more as we as we get along here. I am too, but I'm enjoying it more and more because I didn't like it when it first started. Mm-hmm. And um we'll get into all that in a minute. It's um yeah. So um we're excited to be here. Here's what we got. We're running through some four Davidoffs. This is our third, fourth one's coming up. Can you say week. that once with a strong Russian accent? Davidoff. Davidoff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. We should say it like that every time. Maybe. I don't know if it's Russian. It could be something else. Well, what else would it be? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if there's a connection between the cologne maker and, and the cigar maker. I wonder if they're the same company or something. Anyway. So, Davidoff's, uh, this particular Davidoff is a, no, no, Davidoff in general is a, synonymous with luxury taste and flawless consistency which has nothing to do with the cigar but <laughs> apparently it's important to know that so fans of bold rich smokes have plenty to love in the Escurio Corona Gorda this premium full body Dominican long Corona is an artisanal treat featuring a gorgeous Ecuadorian Habano wrapper which generally we know we like it's draped over a Brazilian Matafina binder with hearty with a hearty mix of Brazilian and Dominican filler tobaccos. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, so when we first lit it, we were both like, "Wow!" It seemed really strong. Just yeah, it seemed it's like really intense. Yeah, right off the bat, dark, earthy, maybe a little ashy, even a little Brooding. bitter. Yeah, just. Mm-hmm. It's like holy cow, and the I'm not sure if it said it in the stuff I read, but it's um it's a medium medium strength cigar, so it shouldn't knock us on our butt. But man, the, it initially just floated with dark flavor, mm-hmm. and it was almost too much. But it's kind of mellowed in the I don't know half inch or less. I mean, we got about an inch now, but in that after about a half inch, it yeah. started to mellow a little. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, we're trying to get into it and identify something. This is always the hardest one because we just started it. I know I've got a little bitter on my lips, a light retrohale, kind of a kind of sweetens it up just a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the retrohale definitely sweetens it. I'm getting sort of a I mentioned before, kind of a, a wood of some sort, maybe a bread of some sort. That's where the little bit of sweet is hiding. Yeah, the wood is mild. Oh, I just lost my ash already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I'm i not sure. I might say bread instead of wood, but I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still kind of coming down from the all of the harsh, yeah. dark flavors that were right there in the beginning. Not sure why that happened either, but it happened to both of us. So it's, yeah, so. it must be characteristic. And again, I think I really, really, really am starting to... This is so, so consistent that I have to just lean on it, I guess, that... I think that there's a curve that when your body's adjusting to the to the cigar. So I mean, uh, I don't know. It just t- it seems like it always takes a couple minutes, and things seem striking, and then all of a sudden they mellow out. Yeah, and it might just be because you just put a whole bunch of fire on the tip of the cigar too. That might have something to do with it. I I don't know. It's possible. But but uh, well, um, we'll we'll give it some more time and try to dig into it a, a bit more. Um, so so that's. That's all for now. Oops, I did, we didn't start the timer. There we go. So we know where we're at here. All right. 
Well, where are we going to go first? Mm. You pick. You pick one. All right. Well, um, oh, I left some notes. <coughs> some notes from last week, but uh, this is kind of not, I don't know, doesn't seem super important, and it wasn't big in the news, but the internet uh, tax in France. Hmm. This is a new one for me. What's up? Um, well, uh, you know, I don't actually remember the, all the details of it. I, now that I put it in our notes, I'm like, but the, just they're going to levy some kind of yeah tax, s- sales off. tax, or yeah, it's uh, it's for products. I think it's for products. Is it for products marketed on the internet, or is it taxing? Internet usage. Now I can't even remember. Well, that was dumb of me to bring that up. The first thing I can't remember. <laughs> it'll come to you. About it. Yeah, maybe it'll come back to me here in a little bit. But uh, um, I, I think, in fact, the... Oh, oh, I know what it is. Yeah, yeah, this is it. Okay, yeah, it is coming I knew back it would to come me. back yeah. to you. <laughs> so, so it's not just France, but, but, but Internet tax in general. The EU is looking to somehow levy tax on a large um, internet businesses because like they can locate in one country that has low taxes but sell stuff everywhere else and so they're trying to come together and and like collect this big tax across the board and make something so they can all get the taxes instead of just one country and so it's just big government trying to yeah. you know trying See, to that, manipulate stuff. It gets freaky and a little bit scary anytime you talk about taxes and the internet because I mean the only way to be able to do that effectively is to regulate it and have your fingers in every transaction be traceable and, and accountable by these nations. Well, it's such a sticky thing that somebody's gonna have to figure out sooner or later. My ass just fell off too if it's particularly relevant, but um. Um, about an inch. We started a little before that we started the podcast, so burning nicely. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, um, so, and you know, I believe this to be true. Before, um, before the United States, or, or I don't even know if the individual states or anybody started coming down on Amazon, but they voluntarily agreed to pay sales tax when there was no really mm-hmm. no government body forcing them to and you and I believe in my heart that they did it just to kiss the butt mm-hmm. of the state they, they, they want to be oh yeah we're just you know we're a good company we're on board because they didn't have to and in fact they still didn't pay the tax the consumer did well they, yeah they collected the sales they, they, tax they collected they the tax right so so they're just doing it to try to look good to the state so that the states will like them and then at some point they're making X millions of dollars of revenue for the state by, by, via the tax and now they have a bargaining chip and they can say well wait right. we don't have to take the sales tax it was a brilliant move on yeah. their part because I mean look it's at like bribery well and, and, and if you look at I mean if I'm Amazon I want to do business in all 50 states I want to do I want to <clears throat> Take and in fact, I want to take market share from these other companies like mom and pop shops or these or the big WalMarts of the world, you know. And I think if you look at the direct competitors of Walmart, you're talking about, I mean, they 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 want to compete with the WalMarts, yeah. and and so if you're going to do that, a, a company like Walmart has got a lot of bargaining power with these states because they bring in a lot of revenue. Um, you you about have to do something to position yourself in a way that you've got that bargaining chip and then really it was an ingenious way to do it because 
a little bit of coding is all it took, and they could just, inst you know, they could, boom, they've collected this tax, and yep. states are happy, happy, happy. That's right, and the consumers, and I don't want to say the consumers are the one getting screwed, because I guess the business can do what they want, and if and if they're, they might just be making a wide business move. I don't think they should necessarily be regulated against, but they didn't have to. So, you know, they're, like, doing it to, to stay in good with the states, mm -hmm. and maybe that's a good business move. But on a related note, um, I haven't seen press on this. I only know about it just because of knowing a manager uh, at Walmart. But Walmart is essentially like, it's not like it's secret, but without making a big deal of it, they're following in Amazon's oh, footsteps. Oh, absolutely. Because they have stores on the ground, and so all they have to do is be like, oh, well, let's just do all the electronic online stuff that Amazon's done. We've already got the support on the ground, mm -hmm. which is super smart. But I can't believe no one's—I can't believe no one's written a story on it. You know, it just seems like one of those things. It should be well, like, yeah. I mean, even our store in Little Oskaloosa, Iowa. What do we got? Fifteen thousand people in this yeah. town, and they're all—you can already order online and pick stuff up at the store. Yeah, and you could probably have it shipped too if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. It's—it's it's really interesting to me that that sort of interplay between the consumers and then the companies that are offering like your day your everyday stuff because on one hand you've got people that are complaining about um there not being any checkers at the at the checkout lines you know you hear you hear a lot about that actually it's kind of surprising to me because and i was having this debate with somebody not debate it was not a debate right a discussion with somebody last night about I get it. it where i'm happy that they have better self-checkout lanes now because it used to be they had like this one little kiosk you know mm -hmm. and now a lot of the bigger stores are going to these they have like checkout aisles with the big conveyor belt so if even if you have a big order you can lump it all up on the conveyor and just bam 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 okay there's there's at least three reasons why i like to do that i like that one i am way faster than their fastest checker yes and i mean with my limited experience working at the grocery <laughs> store in high school i'm faster yeah two the customer service at Walmart is terrible. But I don't want it to be better if the price is going to go well, up. Well, see, that's the thing. That's my third point. Yeah. Is that if I, when I don't have to pay that person, then I don't have... Then theoretically, and I don't think it'll right. actually ever play out, but right. theoretically at least, there's price room. Lower, yeah. there'll be room in there for... Because employees are expensive, right. and they're volatile. It's the, it's the most probably... No, definitely the most expensive component for Walmart as a company is is employees. Well, it is, and and it's important to mention, but not probably to belabor, the fact that part of the reason employees are expensive is because of the government making employees expensive, yeah. which I'm not big in favor of. Um, but, and if we want to go down that path later, we can, but the, but the point of this is that they're trying to be an efficient business, yeah. and they want to keep the prices low because I go there. I think I go there for low prices. Like if I really wanted a great experience, maybe that would be going out to a sushi restaurant. That's where right. I want to spend my extra money. Right. I don't not want going to go into Walmart for an experience. Yeah. Right. And and maybe it's not even for the prices, but it's because you need the products that they have, and you can get them in a timely, efficient enough manner. Yeah, and cheap, cheap, cheap enough. Yeah, I lump that in with efficiency. Yeah. Um, but, but I but I have to tell myself that because like when the checkout person has zero personality and is a little bit rude, I'm like or just outright annoying. Yeah, I'm like, thank God the prices are low. <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, and and really it probably helps my character a little because I I tend to be I tend to be a person that wants twenty dollars service for seven fifty, <laughs> which that's just the the core of my that's the worst part of my humanity mm -hmm. coming out, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I are you are you the type of person? And this is kind of a big. We're talking about a lot of different things yeah. here, but um, are you the type of person that would wait? Would much rather order something online than go to the store to get it? Probably. It takes some thinking ahead. Yeah. But, and see, that's where I think we're going to get, if, if, if there's ever a serious shift to that thinking, mm-hmm. and I think it's happening, obviously, to, to look at the market share that Amazon's taken from Walmart and its other competitors, um, I think that's when you're going to see a big push for internet regulation simply because of the volume of tax dollars that are going to be lost out of the, mm. out of the state coffers, but... I don't know. It's that's a big can of worms, and I'm not sure that they'll ever be. But obviously, France is doing something like that. If they're, or are they just trying to get voluntary compliance with these companies? Or um, it doesn't seem to be voluntary compliance. It seems like something that, that, that that's that's being forced. Like it's it, it's a, which is why it probably came up in the news. So like how they? I mean, and again, if you don't know, you don't yeah. know. But let's say some a company in Jamaica is selling online goods in America. And America wants to tax them. Or let's just use France because they're the example. So France wants to tax this company in Jamaica that's selling products in France. Yeah. So do they... I mean, that, I don't even know how you'd approach that. I'm not sure how you do it. And, and here's the other thing. Because laws are supposed to be equally applied to everyone, they're generally not simply because the government's, like, the government's not going to chase a company that's selling $20,000 worth of products a year from Jamaica. They're going to chase the company that's selling $2 billion worth of products a week, you know. Right. So, the little guy is probably never going to be forced, because there is no enforcement enforcing body, I don't think. I mean, unless the government really got involved, if they, if they got super involved, they might be able to put enough restrictions on it to say, okay, the IP providers or what, I don't know, I, I don't know, I'm going to sound like an idiot. I, the, the internet providers in the state can't allow an out-of-country pr- um, market yeah. in. It would almost be like they'd have some kind of whitelist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if you're not on our list, then you don't get in. Which I don't think would work. It's just going to drive drive the dark web. I think, but I, I, I mean... Well, yeah, and I, I, you know, I never think about that, but it's like I wonder at, at what point, if any point, uh, something like that's going to force us all back to cash. I mean, when I because I really want to talk about income tax just because I want to have been just because I want to talk about income mm-hmm. tax, not because it's particularly been in the news. Because I don't like the fact that you have to tell the government you made X number of dollars, and then they say, "Oh, well, we took all this money from you, but doggone it, was a little bit too much. So here we're going to give some of it back." Mm-hmm. Well, no, that's not. First of all, you don't give taxes just to give taxes. You don't give taxes because you made an income. You give taxes because everyone in the country has these things that we all need to pay for, so we pay for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, anyway, sorry, I don't want to get off on that mm-hmm. either. But so, um, but like, I like, why doesn't my boss just pay me in cash? I think you can make some really compelling arguments <laughs> for cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody would know. Nobody in Washington would know. Nobody around here would know. Right. He could just pay me cash, and I'd come and do my job and go home at the end of the day. Um, and I don't, I don't know that ethically I'm completely on board with that. Um, 
but I'm definitely not above the income tax. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, if the country is doing things that we're all benefiting from, then that's constitutionally appropriate, and I should pay for it. Right. Right. Yeah, it makes a big difference when, and especially kind of in the culture that we're in right now, is so, so many things to to be upset about, kind of, and yeah, many, many, many reasons why you would want to withhold tax dollars for sure. Anyway, good luck, France. We'll, yeah, we're gonna be watching. Yeah. We we will. We'll we'll get some more information on that. I suppose the EU is being is involved with that as well. Yeah, the, because it's it. My understanding is France kind of started it, and then the EU's like, wait a minute, we need to get on the band. Everybody needs to get on the bandwagon here, not just France and that that sort of deal. That's kind of what I understand. So this is sort of interesting, and I want to mention this because it relates a little bit to business, but it's down the list of ways. Contigo. Spouts. Did you hear about the recall? No, no. <laughs> no I haven't, but okay. I, I can tell some funny stories about Contigo Spouts. Go ahead. Can you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, apparently they're recalling like a huge number, don't know the exact amount, of these Contigo like child um, sippy cups or mugs of some sort. Oh, darn. I thought maybe it was the coffee. Okay. No, no, not the ones that we have. Because apparently like part of the spout straw like pops off. And, like, a lot of kids have just ended up with them in their mouth. And so far, nobody's swallowed them, but they're like... And my understanding, no, this is what I like about it. No government pressure. They just said, hey, we've had all, quite a few reports of kids getting these in their mouth. We don't want to get sued. Right. We're going we're gonna to be a responsible business. We're going to recall all these. We're gonna, mm-hmm. yeah, and we're going to maybe manufacture better next time around. And, like, that's how it should work. I don't think you need the government saying, oh, my gosh, we got to step in and create a regulation that says child sippy mug spouts have to be... You know, secure and because I want to pay more taxes to create that bureaucracy that's already being fixed by Contigo themselves saying, Yeah, we don't want kids to die. Well, I think it generally speaking, yeah, I mean, the, the market generally fixes problems like that. I mean, because generally speaking, if a company makes a defective product, they it is in their best interest to recall it, and sometimes they recall it, they they're sort they sort of have to recall it because of the litigious nature of of people that could be hurt by it right. i don't is there even i don't even i don't even think that there is a government agency that can force a company to recall something i i don't know because it seems like in automobiles there was some problem with like a catalytic converter on my jeep or something okay and so it was one of these oh it doesn't because of this flaw in it it doesn't meet the government eco standard so you uh, have to recall all of these yeah. and, but and but here's what happens you take it into the shop and you say okay i got this recall notice and they're like oh yeah the part's completely free but it's going to cost you 250 dollars to put it on and i'm like no thanks <laughs> so the for the for the people that do it it just 250 bucks in the you know pocket of the person that replaces it, even yeah. though the part is free. I'm not we, sure that would <laughs> pass muster in the court yeah. of Joe. But. Anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> so... But then who's going to be held... Yeah. I mean, like, who's who's liable for that? I mean, the EPA is not going to chase you down. Right. The EPA is not going to come after me and be like, oh, you drove that car for six months before it fell apart, and yeah. now, you know... Silliness. Yeah. It, it Silly is. bureaucratic silliness. God, I'm really... I'm kind of... I didn't drink any caffeine or anything. I'm just... There's like there's like 
there's a hundred things or more in my mind that I could just go off on today, but it's been a good day, and I'm kind of, thank goodness I'm sort of mellow, where I'd just be spouting off about everything. Do you think we'll ever get away from the income tax system, by the way? I don't know. I'm, you know, when the, when the, the, when the income tax sex, the income taxation system is so embedded in who we are as a nation, I have my doubts, but but I do see movements, particularly in eliminating some of the deep state stuff and in people just understanding that uh, entitlements are out of hand. And if they weren't out of hand, would the income tax thing be okay? Well, no, because... And for, then there's double tax, the fact that, you know, you you pay tax on your income and then you go buy something you pay sales tax so you're being double taxed which is technically not constitutional mm-hmm. so there's mm-hmm. I don't know there's enough people talking about it it's hard to say but as I see this I want to label it right as I see the ball rolling in the right in the direction of freedom I would I suppose I would say in the direction of freedom and liberty and and what is technically right which means my money's mine you don't get to take it and give it to the poor guy on the corner um, as I see the ball rolling in that way, it says I'm free to do with what I want with my property. I, I hope that it rolls far enough that it will equalize. But it, it, I guess Europe has failed. <laughs> but I'd like to think that we have we have the right machine in place, even though it's been corrupted. That maybe we can roll dial it back. I hope so. I think, and it's interesting. Some of these conversations lead to other conversations but talking about taxation and things and how money flows from people who produce to people who consume and everything like that it's interesting because you do have a lot of chatter about freedom and liberty and you know like what you just talked about however i also see um a really huge movement and and a movement in the types of people that own Amazon and that own Google and whatever toward it, to sort of like a opposite model of this like UBI, universal basic income, mm-hmm. which which would kind of like rewrite the whole system again in a vastly oh, wow. different yeah. way. Who? Somebody Yang is his name, I think. Mm, yeah. Is it Andrew Yang? Yeah. Yeah, he's really pushing for UBI and and honestly, I wish I knew more. He sounded smart when I heard him heard him speak on UBI, but it just I just don't think so 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 I'm getting a little more philo- philosophical than I am um scientific or constitutional. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's bad for a person's soul when they're given something for nothing in general. I think that UBI would complete a universal basic income. And basically, if you haven't heard of that yet, if you're a listener that hasn't heard of that, it's saying each person it's like it's like welfare platinum. It's every person gets deserves is entitled to a basic income. So it's it's like not only minimum wage. Like if you work, you get so much per hour. It's just like for existing, you deserve a basic wage. And uh, I think it would just destroy the country completely. I think it would too, because I think, I think your purpose and, you know, and again, this is getting philosophical, but your purpose, what you're working for, what you're working to make money for, goes away when you just get money, and you, it becomes about hedonism at that point. But if you, and and here's what what concerns me, is that you've got these mega corporations, okay, 
these Amazons, the Walmarts, the Googles, the ones where they're making they they make their fortune on these types of people that would want a universal basic yeah, income. Yeah. So if they can basically if they could advocate for this and get it passed, what it does is it completely does away with any competition that they're ever going to have and it permanently locks in a predictable captive uh, customer base. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, can, I can see the cycle and in they my would head. Love it. I, they I would hope, totally love it. I hope people listening can. So the cycle that I'm picturing in my head that Joe is describing is so somebody's living in their apartment with their PC they hop online, order, they, they get their guaranteed income check, hop online, buy what they want from Amazon. Amazon charges the taxes. The taxes are paid to the government, and and the person lives their life and buys what they want next week and watches TV and pays the cable company and the taxes, and they probably watch Amazon Prime. And this, this whole cycle of they yeah. just live and cycle. It's almost like a matrix sort of thing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and it's yeah takes takes the purpose of being human away. But 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 even then, I would say so what. I would say so what. Except universal basic income when it takes someone else's property, their money, their income, their labor. When it takes that away and gives it to a person just because they exist, I think that's where it's flawed. I think that's where it's morally wrong. So when people start talking about results, the result doesn't matter. Because I could sit here and say, hey, Brian, hey, Mark, let's beat the crap out of Joe. Take 50 bucks from him because that family over there doesn't have enough money for food. So we beat the crap out of you, take $50, and give it to that family over there so they can buy food. Well, the result's good. That family gets food. When people talk about results, I'm not concerned with the results. I'm concerned. I got beat up. I know. (laughs) Okay, can we take his money without beating him up? Okay, let's make it a little nicer. Let's call, let's do it government-wise and take his money without beating him up. Mm-hmm. So, again, I do think I do think we have to be careful arguing effective outcomes and really be, be think about what is moral and what is not moral. What you know, the liberty and freedom every person should have. Um. You know, you have the freedom to make something of your life or not. Do it or don't. You don't get an income, whether you, you know, unless you decide to get an income. Okay, we're probably past our cigar. Oh, yeah, we should update it. I'm actually getting a little bit. This is here. burning kind of fast, yeah. and and also mine. I'm a. I am. Um, boy, this is a dark tasting. I just can't believe this is medium bodied. It's so deep and dark, but. Mine start, like, I have to keep drawing pretty fast on this to keep it lit. Are you finding the same uh, thing? It's not trying to go out, but um, it's just burning quick. Mine started to almost go out, and it doesn't have a light draw, so it's not like it's a yeah. light pack. Yeah. It's smoking normal, but it's burning quickly, because we're 20 minutes into it, and we're halfway done. Yeah, I'm, we're halfway I'm done. halfway, I think. Yeah, so, um, I don't know. This is, this is an odd, earthy cigar. Yeah. Um, there's... It doesn't have it doesn't have the Nicaraguan dirtiness that but it's really earthy but in a different way than than like some of the good Nicaraguan tobacco that I t- it's it's like got a bitter mineraliness 
Which we, we always dance around this, but mm. I think it's leather. Really? Well, think of, I mean, yeah. Oh, there is a leathery taste, and maybe that is it. Hmm. Yeah, I would say leather. And I and I'd say I don't like what I the, this what I'm describing, but I'm trying to describe it. And, I, and you might be right that it's leather. Um, but it's it's kind of distinct. It's mm-hmm. it's not like many that we've smoked. I mean, it's a it's bold, earthy, and and minerally kind of bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, although it and um. I was actually going to say, I argued with you, you said what I said, Brad, I'm actually going to go back and think, I think you were right. There is a woody, a slight woody sweetness, but it's not, there's not enough of it there to interplay with that leathery mineralness. And I'm talking a lot. What, what do you have to say about this? Well, yeah, it's, it, I mean, I'm, I'm just agreeing with you because that sort of the breadiness actually has kind of gone away for me. Um, I'm just getting, maybe, I don't know. Mm. The slightest, slightest, slightest bit of almond in a retro hail. I thought but it was getting just, early on, but I didn't. I haven't tasted it. But lately. just uh, yeah, like you said, that sort of earthy, minerally. I think it probably is classified as leather. Although that's just not. It's just not a note that I go yeah. looking for. And every time I read it in a description, it's oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> I just don't. I don't know. Well, and I. I'm not a huge fan of leather, but I have tasted like like a leather that's that's not not minerally embittered like this. Yeah. That I've liked, but it, it tastes like maybe it's together. Like yeah. I don't know. That's the best I can do. It's a unique profile. It a is unique, unique flavor profile. Um, so for that reason alone, it might be worth might be worth a try. You know, it, it's it's definitely interesting. But definitely but, getting that Ecuadorian habano though. I mean, I, I'm tasting it. Which is good, generally speaking. I mm-hmm. like that. But I'm sure it's I'm sure it's that Modafina that's just a little different. And I remember on one of the Christophs was we had one that was wrapped with a Modafina. I'm sure the Modafina is Brazilian. They're all Brazilian, I think. But I um, it seemed like one of them was kind of intriguing and different. If I remember, I think something. I was gonna actually say that, but I said no. Nah, I better not say. <laughs> well, because we smoked, I remember. we smoked the Modafina and the San Andreas back to back, and so I get them confused because I don't remember which was which. Mm-hmm. But um, nonetheless, we're doing the best we can on this, and but it is super unique. Mm-hmm. There is, I guess, there's enough of a of a hint of sweetness in the back. Yeah, that that's still keeping me interested, but but I'm distracted by the by the dark um, bitterness up front. Yep. And uh, but it's an enjoyable cigar. It's smoking fairly good. I got a just a smidge of a wonky burn, but mine started to go out, and I had to kind of puff awful fast to keep it going. And that might be why. I will say though, on this cigar, a tip for anybody else that's going to smoke it after us is, I think the retro hail is a key technique on this cigar because that's what really brings that nutty, sort of uh, bready, nutty, sweet out. Where, but yeah, if you just smoke it without any retro hail at all. It's just going to be that kind of powerful, earthy, mineral, yeah. Yeah, that is, and it kind of comes in the mm-hmm. back of the upper back of the mouth a little bit, but that, that definitely sweetens it up. So that's what we got for you so far. Um, so, uh, gosh, we went we went crazy on business stuff, and we went everywhere. Contigo Spouts, gosh. Oh, do you know they're opening up a Costco in Shanghai, China? That was a fun story. I'm not sure if there's much to talk about, but... They opened the store and like an hour later had to have security like at the door not letting people in. There were like 
too many people. What's that mean? <laughs> the store was like, there were too many people coming in shopping when they opened the store like See, an hour or two hours later. And that's what... Okay, so well, all this talk about China, and we can tie in the trade war here too because mm-hmm. this that's a big on big on the front of everybody's brain, I think. Why doesn't China see, even with that one example of one store opening yeah. up, why don't they see the power of capitalism? Know where you're going. They, I mean, when people are free and they can make their own choices, the, the market responds instantly. <clears throat> and Well, yeah, and these are largely American products. You know, I think at, at the Costco, I don't know how the government's involved and how they're, uh-huh. they're restricting it to, to Chinese, but it's... But I, <laughs> The report that I heard was it's like, gee, Chinese, Chinese people love American products, you know. But we can all win in this thing. I know. We can it's all like, win. And it, they're just, but the fact that you would have a town where there are armed guards telling people, wait, you can't come in, you can only go out for a while because the store's too full. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Well, see, and that's why I look at, and in the big picture realm, is that, like, the I don't understand. Like I said this year ago when we were talking about Russia. Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, I was like, why can't we be friends? We both are vast countries with good people, basically Christian heritage for the most most part. I know you were Orthodox over there, whatever, and there's a lot of shadow there. But vast countries, big populations, tons of, tons of uh, resources. Why are we not both winning? Like, why are we not allies and winning? Yeah. Same with China. And I think that part of the reason that you have this big, like, you call it we or we call it. I didn't mean you. They call it a trade war and all this stuff. It's just it's about power brokers, you know. Yep. And you get a president like Trump that just wants to economically do well, mm-hmm. and it doesn't jive with their like with their gatekeepers power hoarding mentality of old. You know, this is a changing world, and we can all work together, and we can all win. We can all be rich. Well, and I remember you mentioning this, and I was as a, as a free market kind of capitalist guy I was surprised I didn't think of this but when you were talking about that Trump might have gone over and talked to Kim yeah. and, and just started talking business because being an evil dictator isn't as productive that's right as giving your as no. making your country a free market country he would be yeah. rolling in the dough oh buddy if he just would change the way he did things and and he'd be vastly popular too if he, if he could somehow undo all of his wrongs yeah which the people may not let him do that because Frankly, he's just killed a lot of them and a lot of their family. Well, and I think Hong Kong was a pretty good... I mean, still is a pretty good example of what can happen when you loose the free market. It, I mean, It's an exactly perfect example. And, of course, China's trying to put the hammer down on him now, and it's it disgusting. might start a war, but my word, why would you do that? It's like, why don't you open up the rest of your country and do what Hong Kong did, you I, know? I read a fascinating... I didn't read it. I heard a fascinating statistic this morning. And that is that they were talking about uh, poverty in the U.S. or whatever. Mm-hmm. They did this. They have this um, this metric. I'm not sure it, uh, how they evaluate the richest countries in the world. Okay. The, and the living standards in those top 20 or whatever wealthiest countries in the world. So our poor, quote-unquote poor oh, yeah. in this country, have a higher living standard than 60% of people in the wealthiest countries in the world. Yeah. What does that say for capitalism? And we talk about welfare state and all that stuff. We do. I think we're more socialist than we need to be. And I say that with the utmost care and appreciation for poor people. They shouldn't be poor. They're locked in a poverty cycle because they've been, yep. you know, led along that those, that way for too many generations. But 
if we would let loose real economic freedom and real capitalism, it's not a zero-sum game. Like everybody can, there's more than enough wealth for everybody to completely have a way higher living standard. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is they based that study. I, I know what you're talking about. They based it on con- consumables too. They didn't base right. it on income, which is a better measure. Than yeah, it's a better measure. But here's what it doesn't measure. It doesn't measure all the stuff that you're getting from the government. So the fact that they measured it on consumables alone, they're not taking into account the fact that these that the poor in our country are given. An, in, an inordinate amount, yeah. um, and so you know it could be you know even that much that much higher if they took everything into consideration because you know um, anyway it's just it's crazy that mm-hmm. the poor here lives well. There was a um, but I mean look at that like China should take note of that. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm trying to say, and I didn't mean to interrupt you. But oh yeah, I you're, need to finish you're right. Your your thought. Countries is, like China yeah. need to take note of that. Like look, our poor are living at this level. Yeah. Learn something here. Mm-hmm. Why, um, I don't know why somebody like Kim, especially like sitting down with somebody like Trump, Trump just be like, hey, you know, you got these resources, these resources, you know, you got these beaches, why not, you know. Hey, Dude, power is, a, you know? power is a potent drug, though. I mean, for a guy like a dictator, or even the, I don't even know how you say, what are the leaders in communist China, you know. Yeah. They have power, and they don't want to give that power up. What they don't realize is if they do give it up, they'll have more power. Yeah, that that's the thing, and there there might be this point of no return thing where yeah, that's and, it. And there's 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 two sides to that coin. The point of no return where you think you can't go back, you can't. But then there also is the flip side where the people won't let you go back, even if you tried. Yeah, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't work. So there there might be some of that because it's just yeah. there, it, there's trust issues. There, yeah, know? there's a certain point like Hitler at yeah. the end of World War Two kind of said. <clears throat> I, you know what? I made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. That's golly, sorry guys. <laughs> you know, let's shut down these ovens. Let's uh let's yeah. go for a free market. Let's see what we can do, you know. Yeah, it's these Jews are good businessmen. Let's kind of uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you pair power with self-preservation and you get a perpetuation yeah. mm-hmm. of of these bad systems. Oh, it it is too bad that it just can't. Well, I guess though on one hand you could say even though we're not perfectly a free market system the fact that we are kind of capitalist driven and mostly a free market economy we've changed the world in the last 100 200 whatever absolutely years absolutely have changed the world absolutely have I, yeah and I, and I think that i mean what scares me is that it seems that there's this large group of youth or i'm, I'm calling them youth because they're kind of youngish demographic but who can't see that and don't appreciate it, where you've got Christian protesters in Hong Kong waving American flags and singing the the American National Anthem, and you've got people in this country who should be doing the same thing are, like, burning flags and putting on masks and trying to kill the First Amendment. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think... uh, Did we talk about... I only want to jump here just to give myself a break. Sure. If we're going to go somewhere, we can remember it and come back to it. Um, study, and I don't know anything about it, so it's just a lighthearted thing to throw out there. There was some study linking fluoride to low IQ. Did yeah, we talk about that last week? I don't know if we saw it. No, but you, but you, you saw it. I saw it, yeah. Okay, so. I don't think we talked about it. Okay. Mm. I didn't think we did either, but I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I, I remember a guy... Um, a guy locally that uh, somebody, I don't know if it was Mahaska Rural Water or somebody was going to put fluoride 
in the water, and he called him and threw a fit. And it's like, why? There's there's not any reports that fluoride. The, the, there's no reputable scientific studies that say fluoride matters. And I don't know if they stopped and didn't do it or what. I don't know if he contacted the water hmm. board or whatever. But it was like they were just going to do it because well, fluoride. Yeah, because <laughs> fluoride. <laughs> you know? Gosh. Um, the other thing that th- this one this warrants mentioning too. The speaking of the poor in this country. This um, all kind of fits together, doesn't it? Yeah, everything. We're just going and everything fits in today. This lady, her name was Indira. I can't remember what her last name is, but she was a Christian missionary from India. She was a native Indian person that married an American guy, and he, he and her lived there, have an orphanage, help children that are abandoned by their parents. But she was, she was here speaking at a church and basically said... Um, there's really only one country in the world where the poor are super fat, and that's America. <laughs> he said it. She said, "In my country, if you don't work, you'll probably be able to beg and eat, and you'll be really skinny, and you'll live, and you'll survive, because somebody will somebody mm-hmm. will give you money for food, but you and and also she said, if you have two legs that work and two arms that work." You're working. <laughs> if you don't have, if your legs don't work and you're dragging yourself around by your arms, somebody will give you a few rupees and you'll eat and you'll be okay, but you will not be fat. <laughs> She's like, you, you will not be. And she was really, really hammering, hammering that home. And this relates back to that 60, 60, I thought it was 65%. You said 60, but, you know, the poor yeah. living better than, you know, 65% of uh, whatever it was. That that same study talked about that um, the poor people in this country are like a huge percentage over consuming sweet drinks and sugar foods. Mm-hmm. Um, which <clears throat> should they be forced not to? Well, <laughs> that brings up a whole a whole other thing. I think people should be free to you know put in their body what they want to put into their body. And uh, if, if I yeah. <laughs> And if I think the sugar food's bad, then I should start a nonprofit and create some groups that go out and Here's the tell deal people. though. Here's the deal. Is that if I'm paying for somebody to eat, don't they have a responsibility to eat foods that are gonna make me not have to pay for them to have medical care? <laughs> okay. I, I phrased that completely wrong. Try again. What I'm trying to say is <laughs> if we're going to have if 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 we think we're helping people by giving them cheap food but then we also have to pay for their medical expenses. We're not really doing the country a service at all if we're, if we're giving them food that are going to... I mean, we have to pay to give them food, and then we have to pay to make them better, and then we just we start this cycle. I mean, because a lot of the diseases that are happening in the poor communities are these chronic conditions that come from poor nutrition, and they come from, like, a subsidized, unhealthy lifestyle. It's, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, it seems to me, in my opinion and observation, that we're that it was deli- we have a deliberately constructed and crafted underclass that's held captive there for a reason because they support this huge industry, mm-hmm. this industry of government or this you know this industry of entitlement, and so I think that the whole thing of like pretending that we're doing people a favor, I'm glad they have food. I will I will support as many people to have food as I can. Mm-hmm. But I want to do that in such a way that it's not counterproductive to my original 
intention of helping someone. Well, we, uh, I'll respond after our cigar update, um, because this is this is a pretty quick burner for a for a long Corona, which is almost a almost a Churchill. A long Corona is almost a Churchill, so it's a little bit shorter than a Churchill. But we might not make it through the podcast. Please. Yeah, I don't think we will. Um, so this is getting a little more bearable. Might not be a fair word. I might want need to give it a little pleasant. more credit than that. More pleasant. More pleasant. Okay, because it is. It is pleasant. Um, b- the bitterness is going away, I think, and as I retrohale more, the sweetness is coming there. But it is just—it's distinct. It's not something like what I've smoked much, must, m- much of. Uh, but I think that woody sweetness is there with the retrohale, and there's a that earthy, slightly bitterness. Bitter is still there, but it's not as pronounced as it was, and so it's more pleasant mm-hmm. as as we go. Now we are getting down quite a ways, and I and I haven't had to pull on it as hard. I was pulling on it to keep it lit for a yeah. little bit, um, and now that I'm not pulling on it as hard, I think it's better. Um, so what what are what are you getting here? Well, just in, just to <clears throat> comment on that, it, the opening line of our of our of our description of this cigar says that the Davidoff or Davidoff the brand is, is synonymous with luxury taste, flawless consistency. What do they mean by consistency? As in like their cigars are good every time? Yeah. Okay. Because this cigar is transitioning quite a bit. I, I thought if they meant a consistent cigar, this uh, is not one. No. It's changed, it's changed a lot. Uh, they're, they're kind of considered a high-end company, but they five years ago had kind of the uh, reputation of not um, kind of too like too mellow, like really great cigars, but they only had mellow cigars. Mm-hmm. And anybody could smoke a Davidoff and love it, but you're paying <laughs> no, but you're paying twenty five dollars for a mellow cigar, thinking I maybe I could have gotten more out of my twenty five dollars. And uh, but no, this is and that's what they changed in the last five years. I said we're going to step out a little bit. Yeah. We're going to try to develop some bold ones. This is definitely bolder. Yeah, and. Uh, I think it's performing well. It's because I'm not super pleased with the flavor profile. Yeah. I want to be fair with what I'm tasting mm-hmm. because I do think it's pleasant. It doesn't burn hot. It's not like it's not. Yeah. It, the the bitterness I I don't like, but that's that's really my only critique. The the earthiness, mm-hmm. and I usually usually. Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm getting any coffee in this one, but it's, no. Um, not getting any coffee. I say it is getting a little bit sweeter. And that's nice, but it's, I mean, it's, like I said, you know, it, it's the profile, or like you said, it's the profile that's just not favorite. Mm-hmm. It's not bad cigar, but it's just not, like a really, really well-made green bean casserole, I'm never going to prefer that over a really, really well, or not well done, a really well-prepared filet. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's I'm just going to always like the filet better. Sorry, Davidoff, this is your green bean casserole cigar. <laughs> That's probably the first time in any cigar review that yeah, uh, someone's so, used the metaphor of green bean casserole. Um, I did want to mention this, and I forgot. I think I'm getting a little bit of sweet knot in the retrohale. Um, as some of the bitterness went away, I think there's a hint of sweetness coming up in the in the earth, dark earthiness here at the end. Yeah, yeah. which is which is definitely better. So um, we're gonna we're gonna stay there till we hit the if we if we start to run out of cigar, we'll we'll do the wrap early. If we have to, <clears throat> but um, but um, my my response to um, <clears throat> you know this permanent class of yeah. people. <clears throat> so, what what has happened besides 
the fact that we... I, I'm all about freedom. So if you're going to help the poor, it should be done in a, in a free system where I don't force my neighbor to give money to support this you poor people, person. What you're saying is you want people to have opportunity to help the poor but not right. be compelled. Not Right, not be forced by law to. Compelled they could be in other ways. Social pressures, hey, okay. you know, you, you ought to help. Forced. Yeah. Not forced by law. And um, we've gone way beyond sustenance. Like, we're giving poor people money to buy whatever food they want and they have enough money, then, because we buy their food, they can go buy their cigarettes and their big screen TV and... Um, the, um, cell phones. Yeah, and then, but then we say, oh, but they don't have a cell phone to help them get a job, so now we're going to give them a cell phone too. We're just giving... Yeah. We need to go back, strip back to the basics and say, look, you legitimately can't eat... Here's some rice and lentils. I don't like rice and lentils. Okay. Then die. Then die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that, that's, that actually, some people will say that's horrible, but uh -huh. it's not. You have the opportunity to eat those rice and lentils and go out and work and next month eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go do it. I'll even give you more rice and lentils next month if you're not quite there yet. And because the more we give, the more people, they, they get in this entitlement, this expecting. And I think that's not only... Is that not helping them, but it's actually morally wrong because it's destroying their humanity and their human purpose. Yeah. I never want to... On a philosophical... Okay, so like, there's all these, these ideas that we're <laughs> tossing out there, like softballs when we're sitting them. But like, I, I never want to be ungrateful that we live in such a fabulously wealthy nation where our poor people are still are living at such a high living standard. Mm -hmm. I think that that... I mean... I'm thankful that we live here. I mean, gosh, we for as much of it as much as we complain about things or get worried about trajectories that want to when we want to stop them, um, we really are very fortunate. And I don't ever want to be seen as not appreciating that. But yeah, I think we're we're also at a level where we can start to have those discussions where okay, we've taken care of them. Now let's talk about ha having real life for them. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's talk about purpose. Let's talk about bondage. Let's talk yeah. about yeah. Uh, just healthy pride. Like, just because something's available to you doesn't mean you should take it. Yeah. Yeah. And, Think, uh, you know, wave at the finger and say, I can do for myself. Yeah, and and the thing, the thing we have to be careful with, because there's part of me that says, well, okay, if we're going to give you $20 to buy food this month, you can't buy Twinkies. I'm, I'm not sure... That taking that freedom away is the right human thing to do. Um, I think if we're going to say, here's 10 bucks to go buy food, and they want to buy Twinkies, we have a, a moral responsibility to allow them that freedom, but also to say, hey, wait a minute, have you considered this? Still let them have the freedom, but say, hey, wait, have you considered that Twinkies might not be the best use of your money? you got to feed your kids, too. Not only could you buy more rice and lentils, but... Maybe it's healthier, you know. Or maybe we could give you another five bucks and you could buy some cheap hamburger, you know. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, or, you know, I guess that... And when people are close, when people are close to you, we talk about proximity. Mm -hmm. So when they're in your neighborhood, in your town, when they're closer to you where you can get involved in their life, you can have that influence. But you can't, if you've got a large government bureaucracy, clear off in another state giving them $20 a month to buy food. Mm -hmm. And so... 
then instead of taking the twenty dollars they made to buy better food, they buy cigarettes. Not to not to put ham, but whatever. Yeah. Or they buy weed or whatever. Right. <clears throat> and I'm not even necessarily anti-weed, but well, the po- but the point is, yeah. I just think that it the the motives. Oh. The motives behind the... Did yours just go out? Because mine, I just had to relight yeah. as well. Yeah. And let me make sure this is good and hot before I start okay. talking here. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so I think the motives behind the people who claim to want to help... Um, become evident when you see how they help. Because um, if we spent half as much money... Um, as we do on assistance programs and entitlement programs, if we spent half as much money on ad campaigns talking about the pride of the pride of productivity, yeah. work ethic, and we start, started to create like a social dynamic where where we look down on freeloaders and where we, we okay. said, Hey, you know what? I'm 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 a fast food worker and I provide for my family and that makes me proud and I have yeah, a, a story yeah. after story yeah. after story of people who um, pulled themselves out of the uh, assistance mentality into into a you know what I have to work really hard I work 80 hours a week but we make it Yeah. and like raise those people up as sort of like heroes you know because mm-hmm. imagine what good a society is what good happens when you create when you take all these people that aren't being productive in, in this country, and you suddenly turn them into producers. Yeah. And that. And so I think I, I would attack it from that angle. I, I think it's beautiful. Um, fact, if if I wasn't working so hard to light my cigar, I might have actually teared up a little bit <laughs> on that one. Because um, no, I, I think I think you're speaking to the the the, the truth of human purpose and and, and the reality of hu- who we are as human beings. Um, and I think that matters to people when they're working and producing and finding their human purpose. Um, and as a Christian, I would say there's a little more there than that, but even, but even my Christian beliefs aside, that is part of the human purpose and, uh, you know, take care of you and yours. And I just, I mean, why are we not, I mean, like, I think maybe we should start it, Doug. Maybe we should start a nonprofit that that's what we do. We create messages of, of empowerment to to people who are seriously in bondage to a, a to a, like a yeah. generations long cycle of poverty, because really that's what's necessary. They need something to look to. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a good point to do our wrap, even though we're a little early. Yeah. Me um, too. We probably have an inch, maybe a little bit more than an inch left. So we're going to tell you what we're supposed to taste and do our last wrap here. I didn't wear my reading glasses. Can you tell me what that says? And okay, so well, this is what we're supposed to taste. It says, "Expect a perfect harmony, a perfect harmony of both sweet and spicy notes of earth, leather, and coffee." I didn't get the coffee in this one, but I, I, maybe you hit it with the leather. I don't know if it's a perfect harmony. Yeah. Um, sweet and spicy, yeah. Yeah. Earth, yeah. Leather, I think so. Oak. Yeah. Oak. Maybe there's some oak in there. Yeah, that could have been the oak. I'm not getting coffee. I'm not either. I get coffee a lot in cigars, and I, d- I didn't really in this one. So we're going to disagree a little bit there. Just just so you know, because this is fun to mention, I started printing the notes of what we're supposed to expect in really super small font so we wouldn't accidentally read it and be biased. <laughs> but I printed it so small that I can't read it without my reading glasses. 
So, um, but, um, so yeah, after reading that, what do we think here? Mm. I think it's, I think it's pretty well on, except for the fact that I, I didn't taste any coffee. And I, and I guess, okay, a perfect harmony. I don't, when they say that, I know that's just marketing and that's just ad copy, but, yeah. but it, it maybe seemed a little discordant to me, a little dis, perfect. little disjointed. I was going to say that you you you, you put you use a fancier word discordant. discordant. I was going to say that I'm tasting like three or four mm-hmm. individual things that don't really seem to be pulling they don't together. Jive, man. Yeah, they don't pull together <laughs> like I want them to. Yeah. Um. So this is an interesting cigar to to say the very least. Um. So I guess I don't have any more to say. Um. But um. Davidoff, I might I might not buy this one again. Um, and that's no no Davidoff. offense to you. It is what it is. We tried to explain it as best Davidoff. we could. Yeah. Davidoff. Davidoff. No, we will not purchase this again. Uh-oh. Was that Russian? I'm not trying I, to be Russian. I don't know. Good try. Okay. <laughs> well, so... <clears throat> well, that's a cigar wrap. Is there anything else we want to touch on? Because we're, we were really digging into this, you know, permanent poverty class thing. Is there anything else we need to say there? Um, I would say if listeners uh, haven't thought a lot about that idea, there's a lot of good documentaries and... A lot of good resources out there that talk about that idea. That it's, I think it's worth discussing. Yeah. Because it's not good for our country. No, it isn't. It isn't. And uh, it's and, good and, for a few people in our country, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Well, and I and I I guess I'm a pretty when it comes. I try to really talk about what things are moral, and and I because I think people have rights and responsibilities. Not only does a poor person have the right to spend their money on the wrong things, if they if they want to. Um, but I also have the right to not give to the poor if I want, but I also believe that I have a moral responsibility to help. And, but we start arguing about what is helping. Somebody says you should give 20 bucks to that guy. It's like, no, he'll just spend that 20 bucks on cigarettes and he still won't have any good food next. And, and so I want to talk about something deeper than that if I'm really going to help. And I don't want to use that as an excuse to just be a selfish bastard and go buy another cigar. So, but I, but I think it's important because if I help, I want to help. <clears throat> I don't just want to perpetuate, mm-hmm. um, you know, someone's life. Um, and, and, and I will say something else, not necessarily to hammer on cigarettes. I do sometimes think that if a person is in this lifestyle where they do need some cigarettes, I'm not necessarily going to instantly say, quit smoking and buy food. But I'll try to work within that and might still let them buy cigarettes and start eating better in hopes that it would be a gradual progression. I'm not just going to hammer them with a law or a rule that says you don't get 20 bucks unless you don't because it doesn't human it just doesn't work that way my own life doesn't work that way you know right um sometimes the changes have to be gradual so um well i think the cigar is done first time we've ever finished one in the podcast yeah pretty close so uh any closing thoughts not really no um okay well appreciate Y'all listening, I this has been a I felt like we went around and around and around but still talked about good today. stuff. Yeah. So well thanks for listening to Doug and Joe Talk. We'll talk to you next time.